the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Nothing says celebration of Christmas like a look at an empty tomb, as we'll see next here on Abounding Grace. Join us. And again, welcome. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. You know, for the past couple of weeks, we have focused on the crucifixion of Jesus, which would have meant absolutely nothing had it not been for what happened next. And that is an empty tomb. The resurrection of Jesus is what we're focusing on today. Please join us. As we celebrate the Christmas season and the birth of Christ, we see why here in our text before us. Luke chapter 23, verses 56 through 24. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. To say we are in Christ, our crucified and risen Savior, is to say that whatever happened to Christ happens to us. Whatever is true of Christ will be true of us. Whatever the life, death, and resurrection meant for Jesus, it means for us. Whatever Christ did and deserved, we as believers enjoy the benefits and consequences of. Because of that blessed union between Christ and the true Christian, Christ's physical resurrection and our inner resurrection from the death of sin and our physical resurrection at the end of time are all inseparable. In other words... All those who are in Adam get what Adam deserved. And they will remain in Adam if they do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, everyone is represented by one of two men. Someone said, everybody hangs by the belt of one or two men in history. One man is Adam and the other man is Jesus the last Adam. When God dealt with Adam in the beginning, he dealt with him as the representative of the entire human race. When Adam sinned, we sinned in him. And we as human beings receive what Adam deserved, condemnation, separation from God, and a sinful human nature. The only way to escape that condemnation is to no longer have Adam as your representative. And the only way to not have Adam as your representative is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and that he is your representative before God. So believing in him, you are set free from sin's condemnation. You are delivered from the bondage of sin. And now instead of getting what Adam deserved, you get what the Lord Jesus Christ deserves, which is life and righteousness and the rich blessings of God's salvation throughout all eternity. So if you are in Christ, 
It means you have Christ as your representative. So that you have all the blessings of salvation. Because of that union with him. And because he arose from the dead, you and I will experience resurrection of two kinds. Did you know that the Bible speaks of two separate resurrections? It says that all believers will experience two resurrections. Let me read you a few verses from the Gospel of John. Chapter 5. Verse 21, and then I'm going to skip over to verses 24 and 29. Verse 21. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom He wishes. Verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear shall live. Don't marvel at this, for an hour is coming, and he didn't say, and now is, when all who are in the tombs shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Do you see how he's talking about two resurrections here? He says the hour is coming and now is. That is a way of life right now. That dead people who hear my voice will be raised from their spiritual deadness and will live. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about that spiritual resurrection we call the new birth or regeneration. When we are raised out of spiritual death into newness of life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And how does a person experience that? He experiences it when he hears in his heart the voice of the resurrected Christ and he believes. And then spiritually, he is raised out of his spiritual death. But notice what's next. It says, now don't marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in a tomb shall hear his voice, and everyone saved and lost shall come forth. Now those whom he raises from spiritual death come forth to life. But at the end of time, at the physical resurrection, at the second coming of Christ, he is going to raise everyone who has ever died from their tombs. And some will arise to a resurrection of judgment, whose lives have been dominated by evil. And others will be raised to a resurrection of life, whose lives show that they really do have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there are two resurrections. All who are in Adam die physically and spiritually. All who are in Christ shall be made alive spiritually and physically. And for those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that spiritual resurrection is now past for us. It is the reason you are a believer. You believed in Christ because God raised you from the spiritually dead. And now it is absolutely certain that in your future, sometime or another, 
when the Lord Jesus Christ returns to earth, whether you are alive or dead, that body of yours will be raised and will be joined with your spirit, and you will be perfected and will enjoy heaven throughout all eternity with Christ in the new heavens and the new earth. So all who are in Adam die, and all who are in Christ shall be made alive spiritually and physically. That's the significance of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the Christian life is always, always to be viewed as a resurrection life. Always view yourself, beloved, as someone whom Christ has raised from the dead, really and truly. And you know, your baptism signifies and seals that transition in your life from spiritual deadness apart from Christ to life in Christ. That's not baptism that brings the life, but it's baptism that signifies and seals it and assures that your life throughout your days and throughout all eternity is lived in the power of Christ, the power of the resurrection. In the resurrected life, you are no longer under the dominion of sin. You are no longer dead in sin, but you are dead to sin's tyranny. And you are alive to God. Therefore, if we're going to understand the Christian life, we've got to keep three truths and three realities in our minds and in our faith. Keep these things together. Whenever you think of one, think of the other two. The first is the historical resurrection of Jesus from the tomb. All who are in Christ live. Why? Because we are united to Christ. And whatever happens to Christ happens to us. He arose from the dead and we arise from the dead spiritually and physically. So number one, the historical resurrection of Jesus from the tomb. Number two, the internal resurrection of Christians, which we call the new birth. The internal resurrection of Christians, because Jesus arose from the dead, we have arisen from the dead. And thirdly, the external resurrection of Christians at the second coming of Christ, when our bodies are raised from the dead, raised from the grave. So keep all these things in mind. Whenever you think of one, think of the other. Jesus really did arise from the dead. And that means that you as a Christian have arisen from the dead spiritually and you will arise from the dead physically at the end of the world. It is guaranteed. Believe it, beloved. The entirety of the Christian life from beginning to end is one of resurrection life and power. Have you ever wanted to start life over again? Have you ever wished you could begin with a clean slate? Have you ever wanted to end it all because it's all been a failure in your mind? A life full of regret, one after another. Do you feel like a slave to the sins in your life? Well, I tell you, with the authority of God, that a new life and freedom from the tyranny of sin are yours through faith in Jesus Christ. It is possible for a person to start over again. It is possible to start again. 
You can end it all. Not with a gun, not with pills, not with a rope, but through faith in a crucified and risen Christ. The Bible describes what a person used to be before his spiritual resurrection as dead. But when a person experiences the inner resurrection, he becomes a new person with a new life, new relationships, new power, a new perspective. It's not that when you become a Christian, you have the old man and this new man who are struggling within you, as if they both have equal power. Many people believe that, beloved. That is not true. You are a new person. The old man, Scripture says, has been crucified. What you were is dead. That old man that was dominated by sin, dominated by death, tyrannized and energized by Satan, he's dead. And you have been raised from the grave, a new man. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Not perfect. You've got old tendencies. You've got old desires that... You still have to deal with. But there is a power in you that's greater than the power of death and sin. You are a new person now. What you were is dead. Now you're alive. And it's because of the resurrection of Christ. You can start life, the rest of your life with Jesus Christ, and start it all over again. Now we come to another issue. Why did Jesus rise from the dead on the third day? Not on the second day, or a few hours after his death, or on the tenth day. Why did he arise on the third day? Or why did God ordain that a space of three days would pass between Christ's crucifixion and his resurrection? Well, I think there are several reasons, and I'm just going to give you a few. First, it apparently pleased God in his wisdom to ordain such a three-day space of time to give sufficient evidence that Christ was really dead. Since our eternal salvation depends upon his death, he had been dead for three days. Also, it apparently pleased God in his goodness not to allow Christ to continue too long in a state of death because he wouldn't want his people to be in suspense with too long of a delay. And so he raised Jesus from the dead on the third day while his death was still fresh in his people's minds. But more importantly, Jesus said why he would be raised on the third day. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. I'll be reading from verses 38 through 41. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. In other words, do something miraculous so we can believe really now who you say you are, as if he hadn't already been doing this for three years. But he answered and said to them, An evil, adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given yet but the sign of Jonah the prophet where just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up, 
with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So you see these unbelieving Pharisees were demanding of Jesus a miraculous sign as proof of his messianic claims. And Jesus flatly refused. He said, no more miracles. No more signs for this evil and adulterous, unbelieving, apostate generation of the first century. The next miraculous sign you're going to see is the sign of Jonah. And just as he was three days and three nights in the belly of a sea monster, so I will be in a grave three days and three nights. And then I will arise from the dead. But then it will be too late for this unbelieving generation. In fact, the people of Nineveh believed the gospel Jonas was preaching and were saved. But you're, you're not believing the gospel of someone who's even greater than Jonah. And so your destiny will be the opposite of the believing Ninevites. In fact, on Judgment Day, those believing Ninevites will stand up before you, you who profess to be believers and profess to be the church, and they will condemn you. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and you would not repent at the preaching of one who is far greater than Jonah. So instead of giving them a miraculous sign, he points to the sign of his own death, burial, and resurrection. And he says, at judgment day, what you have done to me will be fully and eternally condemned. So that's why Jesus was in the belly of the earth three days and three nights, because that was the sign of Jonah. He used this event in the life of Jonah to explain the significance of his own life, death, and resurrection in terms of these unbelieving apostates, the Jews of the first century. And what Jesus said has led some people to say, well, if Jesus was in the grave three days and three nights. And if he arose from the grave on Sunday morning, uh, there is no way he could have died on Friday. And the, so the church, they say, has been mistaken for 2,000 years. Instead of it being Good Friday, it should be Good Thursday. Because everyone knows he arose from the dead on Sunday, and he was in the grave three days and three nights, so... You have to forget Friday. That has confused a large amount of people, including the great Lorraine Bettner, who actually wrote an appendix to one of his books to prove, in quotes, that Jesus died on a Thursday instead of a Friday. Well, if these words of Jesus that say he's going to be in the grave three days and three nights are to be interpreted by today's literal standards, then it would be impossible for Jesus to be crucified on a Friday and be raised on a Sunday morning, because that does not amount to three days and three nights. However, we must ask not how today's literary standards of interpretation would understand Jesus' words, but what did his words mean in his culture in first century Israel and the Bible? In the Bible, when consisting of 24 hours is spoken of, it is generally referred to as a day and a night. Instead of just using the word day, they speak of a day and a night as referring to one day. 
an evening and a morning, as in Genesis 1-5. The word day signifies in Hebrew an evening, morning, or time period consisting of a morning and an evening. Exodus 34 says that Moses was on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. That is, 40 of those time periods, which we call days, each of which is compromised of a day and a night, comprised of a day and a night. The point is that according to Hebrew idiom, the phrase a day and a night should simply be understood as signifying a day. When therefore Jesus said that he would spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, he is using Hebrewism. He is using Hebrew idiom, which signifies no more than three days. Or three of these periods consisting of a day and a night. So when Jesus says, I'm going to be in the grave for three days and three nights, he is not using these words literally. He was using those words as idiom common in his day. To say that I am going to be in the grave three days and three nights is simply to say, I am going to be in the grave the best part of three days. Crucified on Friday, arose from the dead on Sunday. The church has not been wrong for 2,000 years. Now, at the beginning of my message, I read from the Westminster Larger Catechism, and you're probably wondering, what happened to that? And there are three ideas in that paragraph that I really do want to explain to you, but that's going to have to wait till next week. So, beloved as Christians, we must rest assured that the death, burial, and resurrection were actually historical events. They did actually take place in time. Because if they did not actually take place, our faith is in vain. There is then no salvation. There is no forgiveness of sins and we are lost with no hope. And the Bible, God's breathed word is a lie. But because they did really happen, we should be the most hopeful people on the planet. And as we focus on the work of Christ, remembering the fulfillment of all of His promises, and as we look to our future glory in heaven, because of His resurrection, we can rejoice even in our times of trials. Instead of focusing on our troubles, we must think on these things. Instead of lapsing into pity parties and thinking this should not be happening to me, we must remember that God is sovereign over every area of our lives and over every situation. And we must cling tightly to our resurrected Lord because He has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the world. And then we rest eternally in His arms. He really did suffer in time and in death the condemnation we so deserve for our sin. Through His loving and gruesome sacrifice on our behalf, those who put absolutely trust in His work shall reap a glorious eternity. What love, what mercy, what grace. 
Praise be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Our glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, we are not only thankful that your death on the cruel cross of Calvary cleansed us from our filthy sins, but that your resurrection from the dead assured those who have faith in you eternal glory. Well, we will have the privilege of glorifying you with pure hearts forever. Keep us focusing on you and your grace and your love. And let us not fall into pity parties. But remember that you reign over all of life, shaping us more and more into your image. And may your spirit so indwell us that we are motivated to express our gratitude for you. And that we are more concerned to advance your kingdom in the little things we do every day of our lives than to advance our own agenda. And may we do it all so that you alone receive the glory. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.